Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of That's Entertaining. Joining me again this week is none other than Mr. Alex Duwehi. Alex, welcome back. Thanks, Nathan. Good to be back. Is it? It is. Especially considering... Today? Today. Absolutely. Nice. So, generally, you know, we would talk about what we've been entertained by. I'll just do a quick-fire bullet what I've been entertained by. Madden? Metal Gear, and I'll throw you for a loop. We'll talk about it more next week. Destiny. Don't do it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so we're going to dedicate most of our time this week to the topic at hand, which is the Dark Knight. I think that we will be able to more than fill an hour with nothing but Dark Knight talk. Just an hour? Yeah. Well, whatever it ends up being. Jeez. Alex, you been up to anything interesting? Madden. Won my uh, Connected Franchise game last night, and um, Destiny, new expansion pack. Glad to see some players have decided to return to the Destiny universe. Uh Um, (laughs) Well, I heard there was a story, so I had to come back. There is a little bit of a story. It's nice. It's very good. Um, But we can talk about that next week after everybody has some more time playing around with it. Um, I'm just excited to get into the Dark Knight discussion. So... Let's do that. Let's get right into our entertaining thoughts for this week. Fine with me. The Dark Knight. Just talk about this movie for a second now. Okay. When I was watching it last night, I thought of something that, uh, I found a hole that I never saw before. Uh Uh-oh. Uh, don't get me wrong, still a great movie, but I want to I want to ask you this question off the bat. Okay. So, in spoilers for Dark Knight, obviously every week we discuss spoilers, whatever. So, in the movie, Gordon takes the bullet for the commissioner or for the mayor, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's presumed dead. Batman was going to then turn himself in at that press conference, right? Had he done that, what would have happened to Gordon? Was Gordon going to solo rescue whoever turned himself in? Was Gordon going to be... What, what was the plan if Batman would have turned himself in? That was my one lingering question. Well, I don't know if Bruce was technically considering that because wasn't Bruce under the impression that he was dead as well? Or was Bruce aware of it? No, that, that was had to. Bruce be was aware of it. Well, then maybe his primary objective was just to stop the killing, and he didn't know of any other way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's an interesting road to go down. I've never. I mean, I thought about it before, but I don't really know what would have happened. I mean, I guess Gordon just would have had to come out. I mean, everybody was aware that Gordon was working with Batman. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe. Gordon would have had to come out, and then he would have been thrown in jail as well. Hmm. Working with a vigilante. Yeah. But they would have busted out. (laughs) So I was just kind of curious. Just kind of think about that. And, you know, if any listeners, if you have any thoughts on that, if you think that... uh, Because I I take it that Batman and Gordon kind of hashed this plan Mm -hmm. to take down the Joker. Um, But not knowing that... Maybe, maybe it is, maybe this is all off-scene, we didn't know it. Maybe that uh, Harvey was going to not turn himself in. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is all discussed off-camera and says, um, you know, if you turn yourself in, then I'll protect you when he tries to come. We don't know what might happen off-camera. I don't know, because Bruce looked pretty surprised at the press conference. He did, like, he started to step up to go do his thing. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Just based on what we, what we, obviously what we've seen, right? We can only judge on what we see in the movie. I would say that it was all between uh, Batman and, and Gordon. And then he, I, I, I don't know. I guess he just kind of felt like there wasn't any other way. 
yeah. he didn't know of anything else to do, so he kind of just was like, look, I just got to do this, and then Harvey stepped up and took it, and then finally they had a uh, they had an opportunity there. Yeah. So just just a, a quick little thought. I wanted to get that off my chest. Get your opinions on it. Yeah. Uh, any listeners, if you have an opinion or a thought on this, just let us know. I'm, I'm curious to think or to see what you think or what you kind of glean from watching the movie, and if you've ever had this thought too. I'm just kind of curious about what the what the plan would have been had you know Bruce turned himself in. Good question. So let's let's talk about this movie just from the beginning. The opening scene. I love this opening <laughs> oh, scene. Man. Completely shot in IMAX. Yep. Uh, if you had the the Blu-ray, did you watch it on Blu-ray? I did not. Okay. So if you had the Blu-ray, it should have the IMAX scenes that are a little bit bigger mm-hmm. than the the traditional widescreen format, so you can tell which ones were IMAX, which ones weren't. There's a lot of scenes, a lot of like city shots in IMAX in this movie. It looks still amazing. Mostly shot in Chicago, by the way. Yeah. Woo. Most of it was in Chicago. Uh, for this movie, Gotham is Chicago. It it kind of moves around. I think the next week is is Pittsburgh, in uh, in The Dark Knight Rises, but. Yeah, because they got to get those, the bridge shot with the water and stuff like you know what I mean. They mm-hmm. can't get those shots in Chicago, but well, you can. Some but of not... it is miniaturized too, yeah, and CGI. So, so what do you what do you think of this opening shot? This opening like bank heist sequence, which can stand on its own and just be great on its own merit. But then you get the great introduction of mm-hmm. you know the Joker. You get this whole plan that he schemed up. He becomes the solo person of all the money. At the end, and you really see what type of character he yeah, is. Yeah, manipulative. Right there on the spot. Manipulative, even within his own rank, right? But he's so sadistic that he is actually in there himself. It's not like he sent all these people in there to do it for him. Mm-hmm. He's doing it himself, and in the end, he he's the one that gets away. Mm-hmm. Um, perfect, perfect introduction. And the first time I saw it, it I mean, it was in theaters, obviously, so it was in two thousand and eight. Um, I didn't even call that the Joker was going to be there. You I, didn't kind of get I didn't, the purple I, the purple suit at the beginning didn't kind of Well, I mean, you know what I mean, some of them are dressed the way just I don't know, maybe what do they call the little Joker minion guys? Uh, whatever like they're called. The Jokers but or whatever. The Joker, yeah. They're all dressed, you know, I di- I didn't really catch it. I was just enjoying the bank <laughs> yeah. scene. And yeah, it just it was great. Perfect introduction. Yeah, and that scene itself was I think uh, before The Dark Knight came out theatrically, you could go and it was in front of another movie for IMAX presentations. So if you went to a movie, you could get the, this five-minute scene uh, oh, nice. shown to you as like a teaser or a trailer for The Dark Knight. That is a great teaser. I, You know, like, I would have, I would almost rather see something like that than a trailer that shows bits and pieces of the whole movie. Yeah, because you look at some trailers. Uh, they reveal too much. It reveals a lot. And then if you go see the movie and then you watch the trailer again, you're like, oh, they showed the last five minutes of this movie. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, you know, oh, I know that he doesn't die because we haven't seen this scene yet exactly. that I know is coming up. Right. You know, we haven't seen this shot. I would almost prefer something like this, a good five-minute clip. It's in one little time frame, so you don't know when that is, especially in the dark night. If it's the opening scene, mm-hmm. you have no idea what's going to go on the rest of the movie. Yeah. But, I thought it was a great way to introduce the Joker, and it sets the tone for the type of movie that you're about to see. Mm-hmm. So it was brilliant. Yeah, and then like the whole, you know, it ends with him driving off in the school bus, and all the other school buses coming along. I mean, he had everything timed out. Obviously, it just kind of shows that he's he's smart to time everything out perfectly. Which, a little bit of a flaw, right? If you know the police are looking for the school buses, obviously they wouldn't they wouldn't necessarily be looking for school buses yet. They were just re- responding to a. Uh, a break-in. But, at the same time, it didn't call out to anybody. Well, that, and, like, I don't know, was every school bus in on the heist? Because if you see a school bus sticking out of a bank, and then it pulls out in line with you, mm-hmm. is no one going to call and say anything? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, okay, uh, 911. School, school bus number six over here. Exactly. This guy just pulled in front of me out of a bank. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess... They, we all have to assume that they were all in on the heist. But, yeah, very, very brilliant uh, scheme. And then just kind of tie up all his loose ends on his own team mm-hmm. is great. And, you know, going into this movie, what I remembered was obviously the, the stuff with the Joker and, you know, the Batman and, like, the the boat sequence. Remember that? How many times did you see this movie before? Before? Yeah. Probably, like, 
five or six, honestly. Okay. Not not a ton. Okay. But enough to that I think I would have remembered a lot of stuff. But there was a lot that I forgot, honestly, in this movie. Like this opening sequence here then that takes place after this uh the bank heist mm-hmm. with I think it goes right into the the scarecrow meeting up with the guys and then yep. the sons of Batman or whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. the the wannabes coming out with guns and everything. Right. Uh, and then Batman's introduction with him taking the gun and twisting it down. Because at this point in time, did did Batman, did he fall off the grid? I don't think so. The, so I would, would take it, I don't know what the timeline is between begins and now, right? Yeah. But, you know, he, we get the, the, the comment from Gordon with the light being up there. He's like, well, he often doesn't. You know, he doesn't come. And people know that he's been doing stuff. People are scared off by the light, uh, you know, the bat signal. Um, nine months, by the way. Nine months. So he's been trying to clean up the streets for nine months. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's been trying to get these gangs off the street, which was his goal in the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, to clean up things up his way. And then he's been working on it, getting those irradiated bills out to the and finding those other locations, those banks. Right. Seems and like it's in there. I just I wonder just because like the sons of Batman, did they feel a need to be vigilantes? Because Batman wasn't doing his job because he fell off the grid, you know what I mean? No, I think it's more of a he was inspiring them to want to do something, mm-hmm. and so they just wanted to imitate him and do their thing. I mean, they put on hockey pads as right. Said, and didn't on. didn't he make a comment or maybe yeah he made a comment to Alfred later after he came back from that and he said more more uh, Im- imitators or something like that. I mm-hmm. don't remember the word that he used, but um, okay, well, I'm just curious about that. Yeah, because he, he said remember. he wanted to inspire, but that wasn't what he had in mind yeah. when he set out to inspire people. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, these guys, they just want, they felt like they, what makes you so special, what makes you different? Yeah, I love the line that he came and back. He's like, I don't wear hockey pants. Yeah. <laughs> so, and with this movie, too, so in, in Begins, it wasn't as bad, but now you get the more gravelly Batman voice, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, it, it gets progressively more as the, as the uh, trilogy goes on, yeah. Right. I think it's because Christian Bale starts uh, deteriorating some of his vocal cords down there. <laughs> Could be. So with this, you have the mob uh, being the main target at the beginning, right? Right. So Gordon tells Batman, you know, we, we got this this Joker guy who's kind of over here doing his thing. He's like, well, let's forget about him for now if you want to take down the whole mob. Mm-hmm. So he gets the whole group in together and taking them out. Pretty ingenious, you know, it's to mark the bills in a way that nobody else would mark them. So one thing that I like about this movie, too, is Batman actually does some detective work in this movie. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he's known as the great detective. Right. You don't really see him do a lot of detective stuff anymore, honestly. He's more of an action guy, but he's always known as the detective in lore. Mm-hmm. So you saw him putting the irradiated bills out, putting things together as to far as who's going where, what's right. happening, doing the the forensics with that bullet later on in the movie. So he was actually doing a lot of detective stuff that I forgot that he actually did. Yeah, that's I, a good point. Thinking about this movie, I thought it wasn't very much detective stuff. Yeah. Because I always like that. When you look at it as, a, as a, a basic, just superhero film, yeah, you're looking at the, the action parts, but you're right. I mean, he did do a lot of detective work. And he, I mean, obviously, you know, he enlists Gordon, and he enlists... Um, you know, Fox and everybody like that. They all help him out mm-hmm. collaboratively. But um, yeah, I mean, th- thinking back to like old Batman, you know, in lore and, and comics and everything like that, he was a really good detective. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And you know, something else that I forgot about this movie, which was a great another scene, was him going to Hong Kong to extradite uh, Lao oh, yeah. or whatever his name was. After yep. he escaped, he moved all the money, you know. And we'll get to that scene where the Joker comes in oh. and, and that. But I just love the whole Hong Kong sequence with him going in, getting in there, getting out, all within like three minutes, pretty yep. much, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole setup to get there was great, too, with him. Uh, what was his cover? Taking the entire ballerina cast out on a, a boat tour. Yeah, he was like on a, on a yacht. Uh, it was just like in the middle of the ocean, mm-hmm. right? And then um, he just he dives off the side and just gets in a helicopter and then... He gets, gets in the seaplane. Lucky man there yeah. gets to stay with him. Well, his comment was funny. He was like, you can tell them to apply their own uh, uh, suntan lotion or right. whatever. It was funny. Um, so let's go to that scene then, that secondary introduction scene, the, the scene that we really, we, we see who the Joker is in that first sequence. Right. But this is our first real introduction, right? Yeah. You're having that meeting there. Mm-hmm. Everybody's, the guy on the TV screen, you know, Lau is from his plane. 
which is kind of funny because I didn't see a camera for him to see them or anything, but, you know, they saw him. <laughs> On the little tube TV. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he comes in, he's cackling, he's laughing, and he's like, ha, ha, ha. Uh, it's And I best. thought my jokes were bad, you know. <laughs> he goes up there, and they know that he stole the money from him. Right. So that one dude, uh, he's ready to just, you know, pound him down. He's like, you know, it's not a cheap suit. You should know you bought it. Right. You know, that, that whole little interchange there was great. And he's like, why, why shouldn't we, like, you know, kill you right now? Uh, you want to see a magic trick? Yeah. The, the whole, the all of this just right here, like, boom, boom, boom. And then, you know, he does a little thing. The guy, like, oh, it's, it's gone. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> he slammed his head right into it. Uh-huh. That's the best. It's, so, uh... This introduction just sets up who he is, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they call him a freak, and then he's like... I'm not, you know, that his, <laughs> but he acting. persists at it too, right? Because they they do it again, and he's like, no, I'm not. Uh-huh. <laughs> like he's very persistent about yeah. it. It's just it's so funny. But then you know later on when he's talking to Batman, he's like, you're a freak like me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can tell he's just psychotic and crazy at that point. He's psychotic and he's crazy, and I mean, you know, we can get we'll get into it later about how when he tells, like, what three or four different stories about how he got the scars on his face. I was counting because I, I thought it was like three or four different stories too, but it was one uh, to the, the to gangster, one, oh, one, to, one to the gangster, Rachel. and then one to Rachel. And then he was going to tell Batman, and Batman's like, "I don't care, I, oh. you know, but I know how you got these. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I don't know how you got these." And he like go kiss him. So, so he tells it. He tells it two times. And he was going to tell Batman a third time. So a different. And story, I sure. would bet you that that would be a completely different story than the other two that we read. Right. So we don't really know how he got the scars, but and it really doesn't matter, way, right? Because he's just crazy. It, right. Exactly. So this introduction, and then he's like, you know, you know, if you're good at something, never do it for free. Right. So he wants to be paid for what he is, and they're like, well, after like how he's much? Stole all their money. He yeah. Wants after to pay he stole, him more. Exactly. He's like, how much do you want? Uh, half. <laughs> it's just the Heath Ledger, amazing delivery. Now, I just want to talk about Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker. I believe he won the Oscar for this performance. He did. Well deserved. For best supporting actor, I believe it was. Makes sense because Christian Bale would have been the leading actor. Right. Well deserved Oscar because he. This portrayal was was astounding. Like, whenever the Joker was on screen, it was the Joker. It wasn't Heath Ledger, which mm-hmm. a lot of people, a lot of actors, when you see them on screen, you think of other things they've done, their personalities, or whatever. You mean like the Jack Nicholson Joker? Yeah. Like, when you look at him, you saw Jack Nicholson in well, makeup? Yeah, when when you watch the 89 Batman, it is Jack Nicholson in makeup. Just yeah. kind of being a little bit more loose, maybe, than right. typical. But that's Jack Nicholson. But you don't look at this and think, that's Heath Ledger. Exactly. When, when, you, when you've seen Heath Ledger in other stuff. You know what I mean? So, I definitely know where you're coming from there. And, I mean, this, this portrayal of the Joker is, however, you know, Batman's going to go on for a long time. They're mm-hmm. going to do remakes and stuff like that. This Joker is going to be the measurement for all other Jokers. And, you know, coming into this, right, J- Jack Nicholson's Joker, he was good. He was great for, I agree. for that interpretation. Um, well with the Schumacher universe type, or the Burton universe at that point. Mm-hmm. And But my personal Joker will always, always be Mark Hamill. <laughs> Seriously. No, I... He, he, is, he is my... Whenever I think of the Joker, if I'm reading a comic book, I hear Mark Hamill's Joker. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hamill's Joker. You can Joker hear it, is, though. Yeah. But when you see it, you either think of the cartoon, right? You, you think of the animated Joker mm-hmm. or the comic book Joker. You know, the long face and the pointy chin, that. But when you think of the real-life Joker, you think of Heath Ledger. Right. When you think of the more the dark and gritty, Absolutely. the not-so-much-prince-of-crime type scenario, mm-hmm. the more psychotic. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting now because they're redoing... You know, they're they're doing kind of a reboot of the, the DC universe, and they're including Batman in that now. Right. With the, the Suicide Squad and Batman versus Superman. And did you see the trailer for Suicide Squad? I've seen one of them. I think there's only one trailer, right? Yeah, I, the, there's only one that I know of. But and you see you, the Joker. You see the Joker at the end. What are your thoughts? Um, It'll be interesting to see when it actually gets out, right? When, when people first saw Heath Ledger's Joker in shots or previews, they were very resistant. Right. So you have to just see the performance. 
It's a different type of Joker, right? Because Heath Ledger, you, you said this, I think you were the one that said this before, Jack Nicholson portrays a different type of Joker. Mm-hmm. And then, I, I don't even know, maybe you can help me find the word to classify that type of Joker that he's portraying, but Heath Ledger's portraying the anarchist side. Right. And then, what, Jared Leto, I think it is? Leto. He's, yeah, Leto. He's doing more of the psychopathic side. Definitely. Like yeah. the From torture, what you can see. Yeah, with the torture and everything like that. But I think the anarchist side, like the sadistic, like, you know. That's, that's Ledger. That's more freaky, I think, than anything else. Right. I mean, but, because when you look at the scenarios that the Joker used in this film, mm-hmm. he used, you know, the, the boat sequence. Yeah. That was a very tense sequence and very sadistic plot, obviously. Yeah. And he doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't care. He doesn't, he's doesn't gonna, care. Yeah, he's going to blow them up himself anyway if yeah. they don't do it. But, you know, he you can really see that he wants to introduce anarchy to the situation. Mm-hmm. He wants people to, to, to make those decisions and lose Everybody's humanity. Everybody's hands is dirty. Everybody's hands right. are dirty. Yep. He wants people to lose humanity like he has. Because something obviously in the past made him the way he was, right? Mm-hmm. So he wants them to be like him, to come right. down more to his level, which is what Batman and Harvey and Gordon are trying to fight against, right? That's why Dent was the perfect white knight right. for, for Gotham, because he, he was clean of all that stuff at the beginning. But it shows how great of a sadistic Joker Heath Ledger portrayed. Right then he was evil, even able to turn the, the pure white knight of Harvey Dent mm-hmm. and drag him down. That's yeah. brilliant. So you, he turns Harvey, right? And you can, you can also see how he's really getting to these other characters, too. Like, he really gets to Gordon. Mm-hmm. He really gets to Batman. Yeah, to the point that he's going to turn himself in. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's planting all these little seeds and things. Like he's being very, very manipulative, even though he's like, I'm a man of my word. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always kind of just double talking about things and just right. has so much in motion. I don't know. I don't understand how he has all that emotion. Obviously, he has a crew of people helping him do things because we know so that he kills them. Well, yeah, <laughs> or make them kill each other. And we know that he has people in in Gordon's unit, or maybe he's they're just the mobs people that he was using. I don't know because. Well, he said that they said that he preys on, like the the type like for the people that he got to help execute do the execution at, when, during the speech, he said that I don't remember what the line was. Oh, that the, he preys on those types of from mind. like the Arkham Asylum type people. Yeah, so he just he just, I mean, I, I don't know if that's like a you know he was in talks with somebody that was in Arkham, or you know, Har, you know Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, something like that, but. I think that's just what he he enlists those type of people, and I mean, then he you know did the thing at the hospital. I think that's how he got some of the people on the police force, as well by you know threatening their right. families and stuff like that. Because you know that there's families and everybody has knows somebody in the hospital, yeah. right? Whether it's actually like a relative, a sibling, whatever it is, and then obviously you got the the people that were trying to take out uh, the reporter guy. Yeah, because the same thing. It was like exactly. Yeah, you know, and he knows what makes people tick, and what will motivate people to create chaos, and that's what he uses as mm-hmm. his fuel. So, and he just goes to show because, in obviously this was written that way, right? But you know, later on you get Alfred talking about uh, the guy in in Tangiers or whatever mm-hmm. it was that they couldn't find the guy. Then they mm-hmm. they saw um, they saw a child playing with a a ruby. The size of a tangerine. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so they, they came across that, and, you know, they, they couldn't... They, he had no reason for doing this. He wasn't profiting off the stuff. He just stole it and threw it away. Mm-hmm. They only found him by burning down the entire forest, right? And so that was his point, is that some people just want to watch the world burn, which is exactly just what anarchist right. uh, Joker wants. And do you think... When Alfred said that to Bruce, do you think Bruce took that to heart and that is what maybe fueled his decision to turn himself in? Because he doesn't know of any other way. However, everything that Joker has said has been he's been a man of his word, right? So then he, he didn't he tell him that if he turned himself in, it would stop. Mm-hmm. He wanted him to turn himself in and everything would stop. Maybe that's just what like I said, maybe he just felt like he didn't have any other choice. This, this person doesn't care. There's no motivation. Money doesn't motivate. Nothing motivates him. Mm-hmm. He just wants to watch the world burn. And if I can stop that by turning myself in, maybe it was Alfred that told him that, that 
you know, motivated him to motivated him to to make that decision. But Alfred was opposed to it. Alfred was opposed to it, but he also made the good point about how to classify the Joker because Bruce is sitting down there, you know, going over and over and over again. What can I, you know, thinking about what can I do to, to you know, uh, make the situation better to figure this guy out? He can't figure it out, and then Alfred comes over and he's like, "Well, sometimes you just can't figure people out. You just he, he doesn't have a motivation. He just wants to create chaos." Mm-hmm. I don't know. So let's let's move a little bit from the Joker. Sure. Because, I mean, we'll still pepper him in all Man. throughout, obviously. <laughs> what do you think about Batman's progression now from Batman Begins Batman to where we see him in the Dark Knight? Um, I mean, obviously he's, <laughs> he's, he's set up everything, right? He's more... He, he, he's more like, okay, this is what I do. Like, this is my part-time job now, mm-hmm. right? It's not just something that I started doing out of a, you know, one motivational, you know, thing. I want to actually go out and clean up the streets. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure, tra- like, are you talking about, like, his personality traits? or Just, like, you know, going down the path of being Batman, right? He's embraced it. Yeah. So he's definitely embraced it. He's And, you know, when it starts out with him going against the, the crane cronies, mm-hmm. I'll call them the crane cronies, <laughs> and... He has he fights you know the guys there he stops everybody from killing each other. His suit I didn't notice like I, I didn't recall, but his suit looks very like didn't it's not what I remembered when he landed on that car and everything you saw the suit because I was like man his his I thought his suit had changed by this point, but they they actually progressed to that during the movie. It's like oh you want to be able to turn your head you mm-hmm. know with the change of the helmet and stuff right, around. so. <laughs> And then and with then, the dogs attacking. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's asking you, how's it do against dogs? <laughs> you know, I was like, uh, what kind? Right. <laughs> Talking about chihuahuas or uh, it'll do fine against cats. <laughs> so obviously, he still has, with his suit changing, he's got different, uh, you know, pluses and minuses, right? When you're right. when you're changing your suit, you can't have the super suit because you're gonna you're gonna forgo something to get something else. So what's really cool though is when this movie goes along, and you look at all the techs, like, gadgets and stuff that he has. So, and I think it was in this one. Yeah, it is. Because I'm, I'm trying to... I've seen Rises recently, like, in the, within the past year, so I've right. he's got more gadgets in there. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure I wasn't bleeding it over. Sure. But in this one, he has the gadget to, uh, to do the sonar thing. Yep. Which is kind of cool at one point, but when he's fighting the Joker at the end with that on... Why wouldn't you take that off once you find the Joker? It'd be too hard, right, to, to fight somebody. Yeah. It, it wouldn't make sense because that way, okay, you've, you've mapped everything out. You've located him. Let's – the system was rebooting, so he couldn't see anything. Right. Just take the eyelids off. Right. But it was a cool piece of technology right? that, Absolutely. that was started with just the single cell phone and then morphed into the big thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this movie has a lot of speeches. I mean, monologues or speeches or – you know, memorable lines, right? Right. And it talks about, you know, you live yourself or you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Harvey Dent obviously says that, mm-hmm. and we see that literally transpire in the in the film where he gets to the point and he just breaks because yep. of Rachel, honestly. He sees, like, Rachel's the next person that was going to be targeted after the, after the mayor was killed. Right. So, or after the commissioner was killed. So... You look at at that and his progression and how he, he becomes Two-Face, right? What was the actual tipping point, do you think, that he became Two-Face? Because I think he was still, he was kind of going down the path a little bit after that point where he takes the van and he goes to, you know, intimidate this, uh, psych, like the psychotic guy mm-hmm. that was there at the ceremony. And then Batman says, what are you doing? Seriously. Like, this guy is not right in the head. He doesn't know really what he's doing. He's not going to give you any answers. He doesn't know anything. At that point, I think he's still savable, right? Yeah. But to the point then, definitely when Rachel dies. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the biggest. But do you think that was the actual tipping point? Or was it when the Joker came in and talked to him? (laughs) I think... 
Because I you still make think... a good point. Because like Rachel dying, you can be upset mm-hmm. and you can be you know sad and everything like that. But some people, I mean, most people will use that as a motivation to continue to put people like that away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that was his motivation to to put people like that away. But I think he became misguided when the Joker came in to his hospital room mm-hmm. and said, "This is why I do the things I do," and everybody thinks I'm crazy, but this is why I do the things I do. And he kind of—I I think he—he he was in a state of—he—he he was in a very vulnerable state there, right? After Rachel died, and and he, you know, he's half burned, and I think the Joker just took advantage of his mind, and I think that was a tipping point from saying, "Okay, I'm angry, but I want to go about it, you know, the the jurisdictional way." Mm-hmm. To screw that, I'm just do it my own. Terms. Yeah, I'm tired of working hard and this not working, mm-hmm. and then I get screwed. You know what I mean? So I'm just gonna go do it myself. That had to be the tipping point then, when he became Two Face. Right. So that's when he became Two Face. Absolutely. Right? So, the other question is, when and how did Harvey Two-Face get out of the hospital? Because, as far as we can tell, as soon as he left the room, the Joker started blowing stuff up. Well, um, we saw him sanitize his hands first. Uh Uh-huh. So, so was, was that after he helped him up? He disconnected all his he stuff. He helped him up. And he's like, okay, he bye got bye. him out of the hospital. He washed his hands <laughs> and he blew the place up. So, I mean, I guess we're just supposed to infer that he got out of there, right? After they did the scene with the the gun, mm-hmm. which I mean, you would think that Two Face would at that point have pulled the trigger on the Joker, because he goes to these other people that you know drove the car, but the person that incited the whole thing, he doesn't even. He just lets go. Right. But he, he has always done the thing with the coin, where he flips the coin, right? And it's a double-sided coin until, mm-hmm. you know, he scratches out the one side. Then it's no longer an identically double-sided coin. But he does the same thing with everybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think it was... So that's definitely when he becomes Two-Face then. I think when he flips the coin the first time. For the Joker. Yeah, I mean, I mean, technically he gave him the same chance as everybody else, right? It just, everybody else just... Got the bullet, mm-hmm. and the Joker didn't. Obviously. Except for uh, uh, the woman cop. What was her name? Uh, yeah, the um, start with an R. Yeah, Rodriguez or something yeah. like that. Ramirez. Ramirez. It's close enough. <laughs> so, but when, again, though, it, it's the scene when the Joker's in the hospital room with them. Right. You know, and that that scene comes pretty late in this movie. I mean, this is mm-hmm. a long movie. Honestly, mm-hmm. it doesn't quite feel it uh, because you're just pretty much engrossed in the story it's and how it's best. going. It's like two yeah. and a half hours or something. One fifty-two minutes. Yeah, so two thirty-two. Yeah, so let let's talk now about Rachel. Okay. So she was another a big linchpin in this thing. She knows that Bruce is Batman. Obviously, she's been quiet about the whole thing. Um, I still I would meant to look up why she was recast for this movie, but I didn't actually look that up. Now, we had talked about to. this, I think, last week. It was Katie Holmes had other obligations. And um, she, I guess, didn't feel like it was necessary to give up those other obligations to do The Dark Knight. And I think, remember, we had talked about how it might have been the fact that Batman Begins wasn't all that successful. Mm -hmm. If she had known that it was going to be as successful as it was, I think she might have changed her mind. Yeah. But um, it's it's interesting, though, that when you sign for the movie, they typically sign you for multiple movies. Like a contract. because the plan was to do a trilogy. Right. And she wasn't even in the entire trilogy. She would have just been... I don't know if this was always the plan to kill her off, but... Yeah. What do you think about uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's portrayal of him? It's, it's fine. I liked Katie Holmes better. I, And I wouldn't... It, before I saw their performances, if you just said, this is the character of Rachel Dawes, and you can either have Katie Holmes play her or Maggie Gyllenhaal... I would before seeing a performance, I would have picked Maggie Jill. She just seems like she fits the the type of character that Rachel is better. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what it is. I like Katie Holmes' portrayal of it better. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I have to say that I didn't find the the chemistry between you know how how she was with Harvey and then she was with Bruce type thing. I didn't didn't really come off that that would have been genuine. Whereas I got Bruce and Rachel in the first one. Mm-hmm. You could feel you could get that. And this one just didn't, it right. felt like it was just being said, but it wasn't actually real. I, I didn't even feel the emotional connection between her and Harvey. 
The only time I got that emotional connection was at at the end for for Rachel. When they were about to die. Well, yeah, but even then, the discussion <laughs> she was having, what do you see? Tell me what you see. Yeah. What is she going to do? Mm-hmm. I mean, is she going to tell them all about it, how to defuse a bomb? Yeah. No. I mean... I mean, would you not assume that the other person that you're talking to, that, you know, somebody set up this phone so you can communicate with them, would it not be logical to assume that they're seeing the exact same thing you are? Mm-hmm. They're in the exact same position you are? Mm-hmm. You're, you're tied to a chair. What, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, you're, you're, uh, you're watching TV, and uh, well, what do you see? What's on, what's on the good old NBC right now? Especially for a character like, like Rachel in the trilogy. It could have been a much more emotional scene. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I, I don't know, maybe not even connecting between the connection between her and Harvey, just in general, the fact that this is the last scene of Rachel Dawes. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It could have been, the music could have been better, I think, the undertones there. It was it was in an, an intense time. You know what I mean? They were flipping back and forth between them trying to get to him, but... I don't know. The um, they could have done a, like a you know cut all the sound out and just done a little sad music like right when it blew up. It was very just pop gone. Mm-hmm. But I know what you mean about the emotional connection. I didn't feel it as well from from Maggie Jill. I mean even between her and Harvey. Mm-hmm. But there should have been if there wasn't an emotional connection there because maybe she feels like she was just with him just because he's the safe guy to be with. He's the nice, he's the good guy. Mm-hmm. There should have been still that what if type reaction every time she was around Bruce. Right. You know what I mean? And but we she didn't, didn't get that. We didn't get it at all. But I think we would have gotten it from Katie Holmes. Might have. Um, but so let's talk about the note that she wrote, right? That she mm-hmm. was going to, she was going to say yes to Harvey, you know. But Alfred was the one who was supposed to figure out when to deliver the note, right. when to give it to him. He, he takes it upon himself to burn the note. This is after she dies, though. This is after she dies. Right. And because Bruce thinks that she was going to wait for him to to do this whole thing, which is not true. Don't you think it would have been better for uh, Alfred to give him the note and say, that's not true? Because knowing what we what happens next, where he takes like the eight years off, because of, assuming, we assume it's because of Rachel, that he takes the time, he just doesn't want to be Batman anymore, right? After, at the end. Would that have given him closure? Would it have given him closure? Would it have been like, well, she wasn't actually waiting for me? I, I understand the reasons why he didn't give mm-hmm. it to her, but I think it might have been better had he given it to her. It's possible. I mean, he might not have regressed as long as he did because he would have gotten closure from it. But I think Alfred is banking on the fact that he would have used that as motivation to keep going. Mm-hmm. I guess it just didn't work out that way. And then, obviously, in the next movie, he ends up telling them for the the reason there. But we'll get into that next week. But I, I, I can see both ways. I can see giving him the note, and I can I, I understand why Alfred burned the note. Would it have been better? What is Alfred's intentions on these movies, honestly? Like, at the beginning, he's kind of, okay, sure. To apply sunscreen yeah, I mean, beautiful <laughs> Russian dancers. Like, he he's kind of, he goes one way, then he goes the other. He doesn't seem constant in his opinion. Like he thinks like the Batman is a good symbol and a good idea, but then he allows the lapse to happen where he's just whatever. He's the butler that but he's the, just makes very wise comments every now and again. He's 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 Yoda to 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 Bruce, right? He's Bruce is Luke Skywalker, Alfred is Yoda. Right. He's trying to get, you know, wise sage advice from him, and when he offers it up, yeah, but Sometimes he offers it up and he contradicts himself. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of curious about what. It's just kind of so, sometimes it seems weird what he's trying to accomplish. Obviously, he's on Bruce's side, unquestionably. I think he just wants the best for Bruce. I, I don't really think he cares about this Batman operation at all. I think he just cares about Bruce. He wants Bruce to be happy. He wants him to. To be a good person, but he doesn't want to see him, you know, get hurt and go through pain like, you know, uh, maybe reading the note with from Rachel would have put him in or mm-hmm. himself getting hurt by being Batman. I think he's just looking out for what he thinks. It's like a, like a parent. Mm-hmm. It might be a misguided parent type relationship where they're doing what they think is the best thing for you when, I mean, it, it's just their opinion if it's the best thing for you. It might not be the best thing. Something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then every once in a while, he'll make a he'll make a Yoda a wise Yoda comment. You know, yeah, that's his purpose, I guess. I'm not sure. <laughs> Very different from the um, 
it, it was the the other Alfred in the Burton um, right. know, movie. He was just he, he was just out, that Alfred nice, was just the butler. Yeah, he was just a nice old man butler guy. Yeah. So, step aside from Alfred now. Sure. There was no Bat Cave in this movie. There was this underground room mm-hmm. that was very well lit. <laughs> yep. But there was no Bat Cave, and they they said that the mansion had been rebuilt because he goes to take him breakfast once and. You know that he wasn't there. He, there's no Batcave in and this you movie. You see some modifications to the house, right? When the Joker broke in, how he was able to get down there and get dressed. You know, when he had that secret room that he goes in there. Then they show the piano, or was that in just the Dark Knight Rises? That was the Dark Knight Rises. The, the piano might have been only Dark Knight, but when the Joker breaks in, he leave to the party, and then when the Joker breaks into the, the, the mansion, the penthouse. Yep. That's his penthouse. The penthouse that wasn't the mansion. Mm-mm. How did he have all those secret rooms and stuff like that? It's Bruce Wayne. He can have So rings. he rebuilt more than just the In nine months, then. he's done a lot Jeez. of stuff. Jeez. All right. So I guess we didn't see any of the modifications in the mansion. Mm-mm. And I mean, we only saw that the, one the shot, one bat I think. cave shot is... Because hmm. it was just like, you know, a room that he has probably downtown where his penthouse is. Yeah. Underneath the building, probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, I was I was surprised that there was... I thought there right. was a bat, a bat cave shot in this movie, but there isn't. We get it again next movie, but not in this one. That's interesting. Maybe it's still in development. <laughs> Could be. I don't know. I mean, it's only been nine months, right? I mean, it takes a while to to build a to build a, a bat house cave and a bat cave. <laughs> but the house was done, so. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, because he can hire contractors to do the house. He can't hire anybody to do the bat cave, right? <laughs> That's probably just Alfred on his. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred's down there hammering away. That was Alfred's purpose. <laughs> um, so Lucius Fox again, right? And yep. obviously Lucius knows that. Bruce is Batman. He just knows because all the stuff that he's making him is is for Batman. Yep. He has always been a, a great character in, from this trilogy. I think he's one of the constant. I I always like Morgan Freeman's portrayal of this character. Absolutely. And I always think that he's got great uh, dialogue to give, and I think it's delivered perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's always been like the moral compass, the true moral compass in my opinion yeah he's he's true north yeah so you know alfred can try to kind of guide morally but he he leans one way or the other too but lucius alfred's more emotionally invested in the person bruce wayne right where morgan's just yeah and lucius is he's he understands what's happening he's not a stupid man um he makes a comment like whatever you do is fine i just Whatever. On the contrary, though, I mean, he—it's the moral thing, right? Because he's right. like, if you're going to do this, I'm not going to be with you anymore. Right. Because yeah, it gets to that point where he's like, he breaks into the R and D room, and he's like, "It's beautiful, isn't it?" It's like you see all the sonar screens and everything, and he took the the cell phone concept and just made it over the entire Gotham City to find right. Joker. But because of that, I mean, that was a clear abuse of power and authority and everything yep. that. Lucius could go along with you know him being the vigilante because he probably saw the benefits of you know the streets being cleaned up and things, but going that route and being trying to be omnipotent at that point, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, if you do this, no, I'm, I'm done. And so then he, we get another speech, yep, where it talks about people deserve to have their faith rewarded, and when you're done, type in your name, mm-hmm. because then he types in his name, which is Fox, destroys the thing at the end. Lucius smiles, doesn't turn in his resignation. Did Bruce Wayne do that because of his moral, like his own morals? Did he did he set that up to destroy it because he knew that he was going down that omnipotent route? Or did he do it because he knew that he knew Lucius Fox wouldn't stay around? You know, I don't think it's because he knew that Lucius wouldn't stay around. Okay. I think that it's because Bruce realized the potential and the misuse of power that could come from having that type of thing around, right? Even so he's for breaking the line, he's not living long enough to see himself become the villain, right? Who's that? He's that he's breaking his. He's he's not going down that path, mm-hmm. right? He's not because if you go down that path and and you start doing all that and you break all those moral boundaries, then you do end up becoming the villain mm-hmm. at, to some extent, right? Well, and. He, we get this hero becomes a villain for Batman, too, during this movie, because mm-hmm. even though he doesn't do the things that Harvey does, he's going to take the blame for that. Right. And he's going to take it because they need Harvey's symbol, his legacy, to endure 
and go past it. Where because Batman it makes take it. more of a it makes more of an impact on the general public than Batman. Right. But why did why would you say Batman did those things? Just say Joker did those things. That's true. Why why why? Because <laughs> yeah. it really, I mean, you could boil it down to the Joker causing all that stuff to happen anyway. Yeah. And it doesn't have to necessarily be. But why why pin it all on Batman when it could easily be all against the Joker? I didn't get that part either. It might have been because everything with Two-Face happened after the Joker had already been captured. So there would have been... A Not everything. It was concurrent. But most of the SWAT... T- oh, and that scene, that, that scene where yeah. he captures him, too. Amazing, right? But then after that scene, though, after he's captured and he's, we're assuming he's being taken to Arkham, the scene with Harvey Dent happens. The end scene, right. The end scene. So the timeline wouldn't have added up if they said the Joker would... Well, I mean, I guess you could have said everything prior. Well, because Harvey took... Yeah, everything prior. Because Harvey called uh, Gordon when Gordon was on the roof opposite of the Joker. Then who killed Harvey Dent, though, if the Joker was already... Yeah, he tripped and fell. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There it is. This but, is how cover-ups start, I'm just saying. <laughs> but I'm like, so you, you take the symbol of Batman, which people have come to view as, as a hero or stuff like that, right? right? Because he's cleaning up the streets, because of him there is less crime, but then you turn him into the villain-type character. It just doesn't make a ton of sense to me to, to necessarily go down that path when there were other options available. Uh, it just kind of seemed a little bit like, yeah, we'll just do this and we'll chase you. Because it set up another speech. We'll, we'll chase him because he's the hero that we need, not the one we deserve. And he can take it. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. They could have, they could have, yeah, I, I agree. They could have pinned it on anybody else. Because the minute that you take Batman and you make him a, a, a villain, then all of a sudden the general public is against him, mm-hmm. against the symbol that he stood for. And then on the other side of it, you have all the people that are, you know, the crime lords and the mobs and everything like that. They're like, oh. Well, Batman's going to be out of the picture now because if he shows his face, everybody's against him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's not fighting for them anymore. They hate him too. But honestly, him being him being the vigilante kind of mm-hmm. makes it feels a lot more the way it should be because comic books growing up, right? He was he wasn't necessarily when the cops saw him, they would chase him. Right. In, in this portrayal of him, it wasn't until this end point where they were going to start chasing him. Right. Because well, it was because of Gordon right. and his position and his relationship with him. Right, because he would always have the Gordon, but the rest of the police force, because he didn't trust him, because obviously there were enough people that were paid off by the mob in the police force. Should it have been secretive, his relationship with Jim? Should it have been? Should it have been more secretive, to the point where they wouldn't meet unless they were by themselves. Like, like when, when he showed up like at, at the bank at the very beginning... They were just at a crime scene. Him and a bunch of officers. And while they might step outside the room so they can talk privately, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they're, <laughs> you know what I mean? Should right. it have been more private? You would think so because the, the order was to apprehend the vigilante known as Batman. You know, that was right. the order. Right. So a little bit of a disconnect there or maybe an um, inaccurate. Or it could just be like maybe we're just not seeing it. Maybe we're looking at it from a different perspective. Who knows? Yeah. So, this movie, right, one of the defining scenes of this film, to me, is the boat scene. When you have the two boats. Mm-hmm. You got the boat the boat of inmates, and you got the boat of normal people just trying to get off the island. Right. Because the Joker said, oh, if you take the tunnels or the bridges, you're going to have a surprise. There was nothing there for them, obviously. You just said that. I don't, I, at least they, I don't think they ever said that they found anything on the bridges or the tunnels, which made them keep searching and searching and not let everybody pass it, where everybody tried to get on the, the ferries. So then they get halfway across the channel or whatever, power is cut, and then they got until midnight to either decide mm-hmm. to press the button to save themselves and blow up the other guys or what they were going to do. That was a very interesting scene. The way that all the, the characters were portrayed in in both scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. Because you had people, you know, arguing one way to do one thing. Everybody voted on that one ship to do it. Or not everybody, but the majority voted to, to blow up the other ship to save themselves because they were inmates, right? Right. They're like, well, they had their chance and they blew it. Right. And even the vocal guy that's like, you know, you guys don't want to do this and that, you know, he couldn't find it with himself to 
press the button to do it himself. Right. Which is what the Joker was wanting all along, right? Was to get someone to press the button, someone to descend to his level. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the inmates, that one yeah. inmate, took it, you know, and it was really the the what do you call it? The guards that were there with him, they yeah. had it, and he said, "Give it to me, and I'll do what should have been done." They were assuming he was probably going to press the button, right? Right. But they just didn't want to press it. But he is the one that has the humanity, mm-hmm. and he's the one that realizes this isn't right, and takes it and throws it out the window. That that scene, and then you see you couch down to you know the midnight, and then Joker goes, "Here we go." And then you see the disappointment on his face after just you know a couple seconds, nothing happened. Right, and then he comes to realize that you know you just gotta do everything yourself. Because, so what's the moral? So the, the the thing is is that the people were not trying to preserve themselves. Not, they were trying to be people, to have human interaction and feeling. Something that Joker is devoid of, and honestly. And he couldn't corrupt them the way that he thought that he could. Right. And he yep. thought that they would be easy to do this. This is going to be one of those things where it's like, you know, you're, you're going to do this because you want to live. So in a real-life scenario, God forbid... Would this have gone down differently if you have two boats? It's hard to say. I mean, I would I would hope that it would go down similar and people would, you know, realize that... Of course. You know, you would go through that. It's hard to say, though, honestly. Mm-hmm. Because there are people out there, unfortunately, like the Joker kind of mindset, yeah. that would just take it and do it and save themselves. Or people that are honestly, in this day and age, very self-centered yep. and only care about themselves. Right. So, it's hard to say how, what would actually happen in a real-life situation. But I think that it was portrayed in such a way that, you know, this city is corrupt. These people, even if they're inmates, still have hope. Yep. Still have a glimmer of hope. And that's what Batman knows the city has. How they're capable of greatness and things that can move them to make the right decision. Even though it's so dark, it could mean their own death. Mm-hmm. But they made the right decision. And that's Batman right. knows that they can do it. And it was kind of weird because that that fuels Batman, right? When mm-hmm. he sees that they didn't do it. does He make a, makes a comment to the Joker, too, while they were up there in the right. building. He's like, it doesn't matter what you do. You know, even, you know, I don't remember the line exactly, but that fuels him, right? And this is after Rachel dies. Mm-hmm. Why does he go... Why does he regress for so long? I think it just Obviously because... because the cops are after him, right? He can't go out and be Batman that right. much anymore. But he regresses as a person, too. He doesn't come outside. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, he doesn't live life as Bruce Wayne. He doesn't. So I, why do you think that lasted? Because isn't it It's several years after, isn't it? It's like nine or ten years. So the next movie, I think, is eight years yeah. or so after uh, this movie. That's a long time. Yeah, so he's he's been out for a while, and it takes, you know, it's toll on him. We'll talk about that more next yeah. week. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where I think that the Joker just got to him. Mm-hmm. Like, he gets to everybody. Because, you know, the Joker has this thing. is like, oh, you wouldn't kill me. You have your one rule. That's you wouldn't right. break yep. it. And I have mine. And we'll, I won't kill you because you're just too fun. You yeah. Know, he's that like, thing. you and me were, were the same. You know what I mean? Even though when he's, like, hanging upside down, he's floating. He's like, you couldn't even kill me. It's like, because mm-hmm. we're, we're supposed to be together. And just, yeah. That's had to have been what it was. Yeah, because he, he kind of realizes, like, he's got his one rule. Mm-hmm. And even though this Joker has done this horrible, horrible stuff. So he... And I want to talk about a couple great scenes, too, before uh, our time expires here. Because, man, it's getting close. Already? Man. The scene in which... So we have the, the hospital explosion scene. That was a real explosion. Uh, that yep. was a, They actually blew up a building and right. everything in order to do that. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. And then the other scene that was really cool that was that semi-flip uh, scene. Yeah. They did that, literally. Wow. So that was awesome. a, a scene that they, I think that they had one take to do it in. And that's why they shot it and got it in there. It was really great. And then you have Batman with his uh, little, little speeder bike thing. Oh, yeah, that was a good scene, yeah. Uh, but another scene that I just don't understand what happened is that he's he's speeding at Joker, you know, at the end there. He doesn't hit him. He swerves. And then he just, like, swerves and then crashes into something. And then he's like, ah! And then he's knocked out. Yep. I mean, he's wearing body armor. He I know. He should be okay. And it's not like he hasn't been through worse. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. He he fell 50 stories earlier and saved Rachel. 
in that scene. Come on, seriously? He didn't like use a grapple hook or anything to kind of save his fall. He just falls on. <laughs> yeah. No, it's the it's the uh, the fall off the motorcycle that gets you. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's that two feet <laughs> that gets you going because you know you haven't been through this type of. Or fall was before. it a put on? Was it a put on for him? Wasn't it? A, it might have been a put on for him to come over and have the Joker like drop his guard so Gordon could get behind him. Could be. Because then, let's just go with that. Because then all of a sudden, more accurate. yeah. Because then all of a sudden he's up and he's fine. Yeah. So that that's probably the most likely scenario. <laughs> and oh man. Also, the character, the number cruncher accountant guy, that you know does the the books and oh, finds yeah. out that Bruce Wayne. That character is actually pretty funny. I agree. Because he goes up and he confronts Lucius. Is like, he's he's Batman. I want ten million dollars the rest of my life. And he's like, so let me let me get this straight, right? <laughs> Lucius does this. You believe that your boss is, you know, this vigilante that you think that you can uh, blackmail and get away with it. Right. He's like, he, he's a billionaire. you want to do? He's like, he's a billionaire, but at night he's a vigilante that beats criminals to a bloody pulp. And your plan is to blackmail this person? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Yeah, he's like, you, you can keep that. And he walks away. And then, you know, he comes back later. And he's going to he reveal his identity to everybody. But then the Joker says, no, I don't want you to reveal identity. This, this is too fun. And so then everybody's trying to kill him, and he actually saves him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yo, you know, Gordon's with him. He's like, Bruce Wayne, you, that was an amazing selfless scene. He did like, what, try to catch the light? Mm-hmm. Like, I love that scene. <laughs> and then he, he gets out, and he's, like, uh, talking to, uh, you know, he's talking to Bruce. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy gets out, and he's, like, just gives him a little look. And that was all that needs to be done. Yep. He's like, and Bruce is like, do you think I should go to the hospital? Yeah. Like, you don't watch the news much, do you? Uh, it was. It's a good movie. There are obviously some little inconsistencies and flaws that you can find in it. Sure. Overall, it's really as good. with any movie, right? Yeah. Overall, it's it's good. And the reason why I think I like this movie is because we get to this point where it's as Harvey says in the movie, the night is darkest just before the dawn. This movie gets really dark. Dark things are implied to happen. Dark things do happen. But at the end, the good is able to triumph over these dark things. This mm-hmm. evil is is able to be triumphed over. The light is able to come and return stronger than before. Yep. Absolutely. And that's the reason why I think that this movie speaks to so many people is because mm-hmm. you have a lot of these bad things that happen today in the real world. Right, yep. but then it takes somebody that comes along that's able to inspire, that is incorruptible, that is able to go through and take what needs to be done and happen, save the day, mm-hmm. and then everybody can heave or breathe a sigh of relief. Right, and right? to the general public, that was Harvey Dent. Right, but to us as the uh, you know the viewers, it was Batman. Right, because the general public will never know what happened to Harvey Dent it, in, until you get to the next movie. Right, but it's one of those things where. This movie can be hard to watch for some. It can be, you know, it, it can be too dark for some people to really watch because it can bug them. Because the world that we live in is is crappy. Yep. Things like this could happen, and that's they do happen. They do happen. Minus people like well, Batman and the Joker, right. but they do happen. Not to the the personified extent, obviously. Right. But this movie gives hope that there are still good people. That people can make good decisions when given those choices. Yep. And that. Good can triumph over bad. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I agree. That's why I like this movie. Well, it's one of the best movies, not not even just the best, one of the best superhero movies of all time, which it it may be the best superhero movie I think they've ever made, but it's just, in general, one of the best movies that they've ever made. Just my my opinion but and Christopher Nolan obviously knows how to make good movies because Girl. you look at Batman Begins you look at this movie you look at you know Inception, Inception one of your movies almost any movie that Christopher Nolan has done has been written and directed in such a way that it's just brilliant um, all right so i was reading about so Katie Holmes turned the role down just fun facts to do Mad Money with Diane Keaton ooh that and was Queen a good choice Latifah. However, Ooh, Queen Latifah. She was she was going to reprise a role. I wonder if maybe she thought that it, Mad Money would have been more successful, right? More um. beneficial to her career. I don't know. Maybe she didn't see it because like an, uh, another couple of questions I have is 
Heath Ledger died, mm-hmm. unfortunately. It was months before this came out. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, I mean, the, the movie did amazing, right? Over a billion worldwide. Over a billion worldwide. And we can't say that about too many movies. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, because like once he died, I remember they, they had, you know, all the, you know, all the, uh, the posters and everything that was coming out were about Heath Ledger. Did that contribute to the success? Well, I mean, he was a huge character for the film. Obviously, so you you promoting the film, you would expect to see promotions of the Joker because the Joker is a a character that a lot of people like to see on the screen. Right, but we had seen promotionals for this before, but it almost seemed like they were purposefully highlighting the Joker after Heath had died. Well, and you look at marketing, right? Mm-hmm. The wheels are in motion way before the actual product is. Yeah. Before you see a poster, they've probably settled in that six months or so before, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think that that would be the case. Like, they didn't use his death to market the movie. Right. I don't think. But I do think there was a curiosity factor that people wanted to go and see this movie. Because, I mean, it's widely speculated that it was his portrayal of this character and his mm-hmm. diving into this anarchist, this psychotic person that made him want to... Even Jack Nicholson said that as well, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I think Jack, didn't Jack, wasn't he curious about playing the role as well, I heard? I don't, yeah, I don't I, know that. I, but, I mean, I, I've heard, I, I remember seeing something where Jack said that it was very difficult to portray. I mean, even Jack's silly portrayal of the Joker. You know what I mean? Can you imagine the, the, the type of dark that Heath Ledger had to go mm-hmm. to, you know, get into a character for this? Which he did, I mean, probably better than anybody could have done. Um, but... Okay, so he died. I think it had an impact on the box office. I'm sure it did. But the movie... The movie itself speaks for its... its, Yeah, exactly. So if he hadn't hadn't died, would he have been in the next one? Oh, I think so. I think there's clearly... In the next movie, you would see spots where he could have been there. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll talk about that more next week. Sure. Because next week, we will be talking about The Dark Knight Rises. Um... A controversial conclusion to the Dark Knight trilogy from Christopher Nolan that some people uh, take umbrage to. Controversial? Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap up our thoughts this week. Do you have any final thoughts on The Dark Knight? It's quite possibly my favorite movie. Really? Yep. It's hard. Like, every time somebody asks you, like, what's your favorite movie, you can't just... Most people, especially people that watch a lot of movies like, you know, you and I, you can't just pick one and say, this is, without a doubt, my favorite movie. You have, like, your your tier one. Or whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? You mm-hmm. have your top tier movies. I wouldn't even say there's, like, a top five. It could be top however many, but you have that top tier movies that it doesn't matter how many times you watch it, never gets old, it's always entertaining, and it just leaves you like, yes, at the end of the movie, this is one of those movies. This mm-hmm. is my tier one right here, The Dark Knight. Yeah, it's one of those movies that's obviously up there for... I mean, we, we talk about movies that you never get tired of watching. We we, we had Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade recently. Like that was Star Wars, one, too. Star yeah. Wars, obviously. It's it's one of those movies that will endure with time. Absolutely. And, like, Batman Begins, I think it got better with age. It gets it's better with age. because it's the way that it was shot, too, I think, is what is going to help it endure. Mm-hmm. Limited amount of CG because you have... Exactly. I mean, you had the Two-Face face that they use CG for, obviously, but... Other than that, there was just limited use, which is good. Yeah. So, but I think that uh, next week when we talk about the Dark Knight Rises, uh, I'm I'm curious to see what our thoughts are on that. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I think we can probably put these in a perspective. As because my my ranking would be number one in this trilogy would be Dark Knight. Absolutely. Number two is Batman Begins at this point. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see where Rises follows. Yeah. So that's next week. Yes, Dark Knight sir. Rises. Mm-hmm. And we'll also talk more about our games and things like that. But this week, this week, this week, we just, week, we just, want, just wanted to dedicate our time to movie, just to, to diving into uh, the characters and everything that's around this movie. Once again, an acknowledgement to how great of a movie that this was. We knew before going in. We talked about this last week, you and I. We mm-hmm. were like, 
we're gonna have to do something. We're gonna have to like split this up into two episodes, or we're just gonna have to like you know not even talk about anything else that's entertaining. It's just the Dark Knight episode. Mm-hmm. That's how good of a movie it was. And notice I didn't really talk about music very much this this week either, because obviously the music is still good in this film. Yeah, uh, a continuation from what he did in Batman Begins, kind of that ambionic type music, mm-hmm. but uh, Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer strikes again. So. Uh, give us a follow over on Twitter at EntertainingPod. You can shoot us an email, thatsentertaining at gmail.com. I am on Twitter at SithNightmare, S-I-T-H-K-N-I-G-H-T-M-A-R-E. And you can find me on Xbox Live if you would like to play some games like Madden or Destiny. Destiny is in there now. <laughs> at Spider Jedi on uh, Xbox Live. Alex? Um, I am also kind of on Twitter. It's at D-O-U-E-1-H-1. But I'm definitely on Xbox Live. Same uh, D-O-U-E-1-H-1, Madden, Destiny, Halo. Hit me up. Hit him up. Hit me up. So you can uh, look forward to The Dark Knight Rises next week, but that'll do it for us this week. Actually, no. I'm sorry. I have one question. I was going to say. My, my question for Wait, you. Wait, di- is this a different question than the one that you asked at the beginning? What was it? About if, had, if Batman had turned himself in. Oh, because we need it. We need our viewers. That, we need right, to know the answer to that. That's got to be the question for the week then. So, looking back at the, we had this discussion earlier. So, if Batman turned himself in, what would have happened to Gordon? What would have been the plan from mm-hmm. that point? What, what's your thoughts? What's your perspective? I'm very interested to and know. Would the Joker have actually like kept his word and like would everything have stopped? Yeah, it's it's curious to kind of go down that path and see what thoughts we can get from this. So. Uh, let us know. Shoot us a tweet or an email. That's entertaining at gmail.com or at entertaining pod. So that, ladies and gentlemen. Well, what was your other question? Now we're now we're all curious. Oh, now it doesn't matter. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Guess we'll let it go. We'll let it, we'll let it go for this week. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to us talk about the Dark Knight and pretty much nothing else. We hope that you have been entertained. <laughs>